For this hour, we gather to surrender to the mystery, to release ourselves from the needing to know, from the yearning to have it all already figured out. We make space for a new breath, a new healing, a new possibility to take root. A new world is possible. We are creating it already, here and now. Come, let us worship together. I'm Reverend Bob LaValle, and I'm happy to be with you on this Move the Clock Forward morning. Congratulations, everybody, for successfully moving their clocks forward. I'm with our worship leader, John Eldridge, and our interim minister, Matt Partridger Villarreal. And our DJ today is Tech Arts Director Chris Paul. And our tech team is Michaela Renz Whitmore, who, by the way, is the chair of the board of First Unitarian as well, and Alex and Erica Johnson Jimenez. Thank you so much to this team who make it possible. And if you're interested in learning how to become part of the tech team and have some fun, we'd love to have you. Just contact Chris Paul. Our time for all ages today will be shared by Reverend Emily Wright Magoon. Great to have her back. And our music today is performed by Laura Badalucci, Tanya Hopkins, Tori Neer, and our fabulous music director, Susan Peck. Thank you for your gifts. If you're visiting, I'm inviting you to put your name and location in the chat so we can say hey. In the meantime, John has a couple of announcements. COVID Advisory Council met this week and has made recommendations to update our policies for in-person events, including worship. We continue to require masks for in-person church events, including Sunday worship. One change you will see this Sunday, the two outside sections in the sanctuary will now block off every third row instead of every second row to allow more seating for those sections. We will continue to provide access for all by offering two other options, seating for the 11 a.m. service in the social hall and these virtual services at 9 a.m. on Zoom. Everyone in the congregation is invited to attend an online workshop with the co-founder of the Eighth Principle Movement, Paula Jones Cole, on Saturday, April 23rd. The workshop is from 11 to 4.30. She'll provide experiential learning on the transformative nature of the Eighth Principle and how we can build a culture of inclusion. To register, Please see this week's broadsheet. We at First Unitarian are blessed to have a vibrant community. And in these times of fear and isolation, we are so happy to welcome new members with this short video. And I want to thank our Director of Membership and Communication, Lara Magnuson, for her amazing efforts. So if you see any of these new folks in person or online, say hello.
face the world's shadows, we kindle this chalice of light. To face the world's terrors, we light this chalice of courage. To face the world's, world's turmoil, we light this chalice of peace. Dreamed I saw the knights in armor come and saying something about a queen. There were peasants singing and drummers drumming and the archers split the tree. There was a band there blowing to the sun that was floating on the Mother Nature on the run in the 21st century. Look at Mother Nature on the run in the 21st century. tell you a story. This is called Maya's Questions, written by Elisa Permain and inspired by a story by Leo Tolstoy. Here we go. Once upon a time, a girl named Maya was playing in her front yard with her big sister and some of her sister's friends, while her father watched from the kitchen window. Soon, Maya's friend Annie came along and wanted to join in the game. Maya's big sister and her friends whispered to Maya, You can play with us, but not Annie. She's too little. So Maya said, Sorry, Annie. I can't play with you right now. Annie walked away sadly. Soon Maya's father called her in for some lunch. How do you think it made Annie feel when you said you couldn't play with her? Sad, I guess. Who's... I have a couple of questions. Who's... What's the best thing to pay attention to? When to do? What's the best thing to do? And when to do it? 
Let me try and repeat that. Um, what? What's, what's the best thing to do? No, who to pay attention to? What's the best, when, what's the best thing to do and when to do it? Yes. Why don't you go ask your grandmom about that when you finish with your lunch? Want me to go get you some monster mix? Yes. So Maya took her questions about how to be a kind person over to her grandmother's house, which was right next door. Grandma was out back working in the garden. She was transplanting seedlings into the ground in neatly divided rows. Maya could see that her grandmother was tired. Grandmom, Maya said, why don't I bring you some lemonade and you sit down and watch me work for a while. I want to ask you some questions so that I can be the kindest person possible. Grandmom settled herself on the steps. Maya went in the house and came out with two glasses of lemonade. Thank you, said Grandmom. Now, what are your questions? Maya said, well, who are the most important people to pay attention to? What is the most important thing to do? Grandmom smiled, but she didn't say anything. Maya thought that her grandmother was trying to think of the answers so she went to working in the garden. She dug little holes and planted the seedlings, tamped down the dirt, and watered each seedling with care, just as her grandmother had taught her. After a while, she got tired and stopped for some lemonade. Can you tell me the answers now, Grandmom? But it looked like Grandmom had dozed off. So Maya went back to the seedlings that still needed to be planted. There were only a few more. And then, all of a sudden, a cry came out from in the street. Maya ran out the side of the yard and around the house. There was Annie laying on the sidewalk all tangled in Maya's bicycle with a bloody knee and elbow and tears streaming down her face. Grandmom, Maya called, and her grandmother came quickly too. They helped Annie up. Maya got a wet cloth to clean Annie's scrapes. She was very gentle, so as not to hurt Annie, who was still crying. Maya patted her on the back and offered her a cool glass of lemonade. Soon Annie was calm. Maya gently put a large band-aid on Annie's knee. What were you doing? asked Maya. She had noticed that it was her bike on the sidewalk. I was mad at you for not playing with me, said Annie. So I took your bike from your driveway. I was going to hide it until you said you were sorry, but I hit a bump on the sidewalk and fell over. Maya said, I'm sorry I told you I couldn't play. I know, said Annie, and I can see you are a good friend by the way you are taking care of me and helping me feel better. I wanted to hurt you, but now I am sorry. I'm glad you know I am your friend. I'm really sorry if I hurt your feelings, said Maya. Thanks, said Annie. And thanks for the band-aids and the lemonade. The two friends gave each other a big hug. So Annie went home and Maya and her grandmother went back to sit next to the garden. Grandmom, are you ever going to tell me the answers to my questions? Maya asked. Well, I don't need to, Maya, she smiled. You figured them out yourself. I have? Maya looked confused. Yes, said Grandmom. You asked me who is the most important person to pay attention to. When you first came over, the most important person to pay attention to was me. The most important thing to do was to help me because I was tired. Because you stayed to help me, you were here to help Annie. 
and she got a chance to see how kind you are. When Annie hurt herself, she was the most important person to pay attention to, and the most important thing to do was to help her. Maya asked, You mean, Grandmom, that the most important person to be with are the ones who need our attention right now? And the most important thing to do is to treat them kindly? Yes, said Maya's grandmother. If you pay attention to the people who are around you and be kind, you will always be doing the most important thing. What a beautiful story. Let's go ahead and pause the chat for a few moments during the meditation and prayer. I invite you at this time to close your eyes and find a comfortable position if you haven't already. Once you close your eyes, take a moment to take every worry, task, and negative thought that you have had this week or for a while and allow them to float away. You have no time for them here, so let each of them go. Every bad thought, every fear, every worry, watch them all float away on the great big ocean in your mind. And as you sit on the shore, watching them all float away, you hear a voice in the distance telling you, Today I am happy. Today I am capable. Today I am worthy. And the voice loops over and over. Today I am happy. Today I am capable. Today I am worthy. And as the voice continues speaking, you watch the waves caused by your thoughts begin to settle, and the great ocean before you becomes still and clear. Today I am happy. Today I am capable. Today I am worthy. Slowly, without turning, your eyes still in the clear water, you realize that the voice you hear is coming from within you. You open your mouth and speak out loud. Today I am happy. Today I am capable. Today I am worthy. May we carry this mantra with us into this moment of sacred silence together. And may we use these words to calm the waves of uncertainty that flow in our minds.
Our community is strengthened when we help each other bear our burdens as well as celebrate our joys. Please use the chat bar to share what's on your heart and to support others as they share what's on theirs. If you're not able to write in the chat bar, please contact the church office or email caring at uuabq.org. The chat will prompt us to share our joys first and then later to share our concerns. It's gonna take time. It's gonna take time. Hey, gonna take time the heart is a muscle contracting expanding feel the waves and learn the lessons it's gonna take time hey you do great and powerful spirit of life and love at work in the world and in our lives. We come to you as we do each week to ask your continued presence in our lives, especially in the midst of so much uncertainty in our lives and in the world. At times you are a still small voice other times you are the sense of direction that we need, that we cannot explain. Whatever form you may take, we ask you here with us in this moment. We take time to stop and celebrate the joys in our lives and inspire us and give us hope now and for what is to come. 
things like beautiful mornings, bird songs, visits from old friends, and the coming of spring. We pray for all of those in our minds and in our hearts, for Martin Malecki, who is recovering in hospital from spinal surgery, for Sarita, a friend of Arlena Ash, who is facing surgery and hospitalization, for the family of Shirley Danny, who passed away last month, <clears throat> and for Sam Rivera, the father of Alana Rodriguez's children, who passed away yesterday in Texas. We continue to pray for our church during this time of transition. We especially continue to pray for our senior minister, Reverend Angela Herrera, who is on leave at this time. We pray for the unhoused in our community, and those who worry they may not have a home to go to due to hyperinflation and rising rent prices. We pray for an end to the conflict in Ukraine and all the violent conflicts that are taking place in the world, including those that the media renders invisible. We pray for all of those affected by addiction in all of its many forms. And we continue to pray that all of those will be kept safe from the COVID-19 pandemic that still continues to plague our world. All of these we lift up to the great powers of healing and renewal known by many names. May our world be kept safe. May our world be kept secure. May all those be surrounded by love and light. May it ever continue to be so. Amen. Blessed be. And peace be with you. We shall be known by the company we keep, by the ones who circle round to tend these fires. We shall be known by the ones who sow and reap the seeds of change to lie from deep within the earth. It is time now, it is time now that we thrive. It is time we lead ourselves into the well. It is time now, and what a time to be alive in this great turning we shall learn to lead in love. In this great turning we shall learn to lead in love. We shall be known by the company we keep, by the ones who circle round to tend these fires. We shall be known by the ones who sow and reap the seeds of change to life from deep within the earth. It is time now, it is time now that we thrive, it is time ourselves into the world. It is time now, and what a time to be alive. In this great turning we shall learn to lead in love. In this great turning we shall learn to lead in love. In this great turning we shall learn to lead in Love. In this great turning, we shall learn to lead in love. Our reading this morning is titled, Try to Praise the Mutilated World by Adam Zagajewski and translated by Claire Kavanaugh. Try to praise the mutilated world. Remember June's long days and wild strawberries, drops of rosé wine, the nettles that methodically overgrow the abandoned homesteads of exiles. You must praise the mutilated world. 
You watch the stylish yachts and ships. One of them had a long trip ahead of it, while salty oblivion awaited the others. You've seen the refugees going nowhere. You've heard the executioners singing joyfully. You should praise the mutilated world. Remember the moments when we were together in a white room and the curtains fluttered? Returning in thought to the concert where music flared, you gathered acorns in the park in autumn and leaves eddied over the earth's scars. Praise the mutilated world and the gray feather of the thrush lost and the gentle light that strays and finishes and returns. Recently, I had a meeting with uh, the insurance agent of the church. It was an annual review kind of thing where she walked me through all the different kinds of coverage that the church has. And she told me about one policy that we have that I didn't know about. It's called something like religious counseling insurance. And the gist of it is that if, in the course of doing pastoral care, if Reverend Angela and I give someone terrible advice, the insurance company will cover the church if we get sued. Well, I was really surprised to hear about that and kind of relieved, to be honest. Uh, and, but the insurance agent assured me that it comes up from time to time. She told me there's a church of some sort in northern New Mexico where the religious leader told the congregant to give away all his possessions, which the congregant did. And now that congregant realizes that that was a terrible idea. So he sued. And it makes me wonder about these mega churches that have been anti-mask and anti-vaccine all along. I wonder if they're getting sued by the families of their congregants who died of COVID. Anyways, hearing about that insurance was a reminder to me of the minister's obligation to speak the truth as they best understand it. Which also includes saying things that might be hard for folks to hear. To do otherwise is a kind of spiritual malpractice. That's why the title of this sermon is The End is Near. We need to acknowledge the truth of the situation we're in right now. Things in the world are really bad, and they are most likely going to get worse. The issue isn't just that things are bad. The issue is that our society, as it is now, is organized in a way that makes it very unlikely that we'll be able to fix our problems before it's too late. Let's walk through our current litany of woe. Are you ready for some fun? We're watching as democracy slowly dies in the, in the United States. Bad faith players are taking advantage of the flaws in our constitutional structure to create dominance by a minority over the majority. The Senate is built to be undemocratic with North and South Dakota having the same number of votes as California and New York. All over the country, people are running for state secretaries of state who believe that the last election was a fraud and who, and who want to rig the system for their side in future elections. There was an active, violent attempt to overturn the election January 6th, and half of our legal legislative re representatives want to pretend that it didn't happen. For me, watching that day unfold on, t on TV was like watching the Twin Towers fall, but worse, because on January 6th, half the country was rooting for the planes. And the reaction to these civic atrocities by the current administration is so timid, so inadequate for the moment. If the Democrats governed with the same urgency as they fundraised during the election, we might be in a better spot, but we're not. And that's unlikely to change. We've known climate disaster is coming, was coming for decades, but we just keep kicking that can down the road. The kind of intervention that's required to even just maintain our miserable status quo of wildfires and blackouts, those changes will require changes to how we live that no government would ever dare make, and frankly, most Americans would never tolerate. So that maelstrom is just going to speed up. And here we are on the two-year anniversary, almost exactly, of the COVID pandemic. We've learned so much about how we're likely to handle any other crises coming down the pike. 
We've learned that a critical mass of people won't accept some inconvenience for the common good. We've learned that in the eyes of the people running capitalism, our essential workers don't deserve a living wage and they are disposable. We've learned that the social media platforms that inform this country now won't take responsibility for the damage caused by the bad information they share. I could go on, but you know all this. Everything is so hard. Even church has gotten harder, hasn't it? We're all a little tired. We're all a little cranky. Reminds me of a story. A mother was talking to her son. And she said, son, you got to get out of bed and go to church. And her son responds, I'm not going to go to church and I'll give you two reasons. I don't like them and they don't like me. And the mother says, you are going to church and I'll give you two reasons. You're 48 years old and you're the minister. So just to be clear, that is not a story about me. <laughs> Anyways, I'm not saying these hard truths to torment people, but rather to affirm that the fear and despair that we feel is based on reality. Do you feel bad these days? That's a normal response. But we can't just stop there. First of all, although things look bad, we can't, just, we can't say for sure that we'll slide into fascism and climate disaster. I'm not being Pollyanna here. I'm saying that surprise and uncertainty are the only things that are guaranteed in the future. Surprise and uncertainty, the only things we can expect. Back in 2018, did anyone have the slightest clue we'd be in this position in 2022? To predict the future is hubris. To be an optimist is hubris. To be a pessimist is hubris. Those are all predictions. So we don't have hope, but we do have agency. We can't just expect that everything will work out fine, but we can do what we can while we can. So how do we move forward now? And this goes back to spiritual malpractice. We need to stop telling ourselves the lie that the old ways of doing things will work in the future. It's a lie that the old ways of doing things will work in the future. The old ways of doing things are not working now. And actually, the old ways of doing things didn't work in the past. If they did, we wouldn't be here. So what kind of old ways am I talking about? Well, here's a good example. I heard somebody on a podcast compare approaches to addressing climate change to two different battles in World War II, Dunkirk and Normandy. So to refresh everyone's memory, the Battle of Normandy took place in 1944, towards the end of the war. Normandy itself was on the north coast of France, which at the time was occupied by the Germans. And the Allied forces, led by Dwight D. Eisenhower, planned a huge and elaborate attack that combined air, sea, and land forces in an assault across, across a wide swath of the Normandy coast. Toast. The idea was that the Allies would recapture the ports, recapture Paris, and ultimately end the war. It was the largest seaborne invasion in history, and there were huge casualties, but ultimately it was a victory. One way of approaching things. The Battle of Dunkirk took place much earlier in the war, in 1940. In that battle... More than 300,000 soldiers, primarily English and French, found themselves trapped on the beach in Dunkirk. In this situation, the decision was made to evacuate all the troops rather than turn and fight a battle where the Allies were greatly, greatly outnumbered. So 800 ships were used to evacuate them, including hundreds of civilian speedboats and car ferries and lifeboats, pleasure craft. The movie about Dunkirk is just brilliant, and I, I recommend check, checking it out. So this relates to climate change and the old ways of doing things. As we as a society try to deal with climate change, we're inclined to take the Normandy approach. That is, we still think that we can fix this with some giant effort that restores everything back to the way it was. 
That's the old way of doing things. I don't think that's going to work. We need to start thinking about the climate disaster like it was Dunkirk. We are trapped on the beach. We're not going to turn around and rout the Germans. If we stay on the beach, we're all going to be killed or captured. We need to start thinking about how we're going to adapt to this situation. What does an orderly retreat look like? How do we make sure that everyone gets off the beach? These are the questions that we need to think about, not how do we go back to 1950. The thing is, the folks in this room, all of us, are just average mortals with very little influence on how society chooses to deal with all the existential crisis going on right now. So how do we live in this moment? How do we exist from day to day? I have some ideas. Despite the fact that we, none of us probably, can call up Joe Biden and just tell him to cancel student loan debt or enact whatever national rational policy we'd like, we do have some power to make change, to change things. And that power is strongest when we work for change at the local level. When we try to make things better for Albuquerque and for New Mexico, we meet our neighbors and we, and we form community and we connect on a much more personal basis with policymakers. Local organizing is much more likely to change, make change where we can see it. So act locally. Next, we shouldn't take responsibility for everything. We are trapped in systems that are bad and broken, and we have to drive cars. We have to pay taxes that fund the military industrial complex. We have to buy food that is the product of practices that devastate the environment. Because of all this, we're suffering an epidemic of moral injury, of knowing that we are doing things that aren't right. And yet we have to do them just to get through our days. It's easy to feel like we're part of the problem and just become paralyzed. I invite everyone to be gentle with themselves around these things. We can't control everything, so let's give ourselves a break and not sweat every decision. You know, the other day, I found myself wondering if I was a bad person for drinking almond milk. This is not a productive use of my short life. Now, I'm not saying throw all of our values and morals out the window. I'm saying let's keep a sense of perspective and proportion about what we're responsible for as we try to live gently on the earth. And I want to encourage us to treasure three things. First, let's treasure nature, whether it's a hike in the mountains or a houseplant. Pay attention to the infinite beauty and healing that nature provides. Second, let's treasure the small things. The big things are harder to get excited about these days, so let's look to the everyday pleasures that are right in front of us. In Adam Zagajewski's poem, we're encouraged to remember June's long days and strawberries, drops of rosé wine. So let's treasure the small things like getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, moving our bodies as we are able. And above all, let's treasure our relationships. Let's over-communicate our appreciation for each other. Lately, I find myself sending affectionate texts, texts to people I love for no reason whatsoever, just saying, hey, you're great. Let's treasure our communities. And I like, I like to think about this like a, a mosaic. So what, what makes up a mosaic? Maybe pieces of shattered glass, maybe shards from a broken plate, tiny broken things. But when they are brought together by the skillful hands of the artist, they create something beautiful, something with meaning and power. Our congregation is like that mosaic. We're all a little broken. We're all small. Maybe we've even been discarded. Alone, we are unfinished. And yet when we come together to make the mosaic of this faith community, we create something beautiful. And the lesson is twofold and simple. We all have worth as individuals and we all need each other desperately. We all have worth as individuals 
And gosh, do we need each other. Times are bad now, likely to get worse. Maybe the end is near. Nobody knows. But we do know how to live with the time that we have left with dignity, with meaning and purpose. Let's bless the world and let it bless us back. So be it. We take our offering with these words by Viktor Frankl. Everything can be taken from someone, but one thing, the last of human freedoms, to choose one's attitude in any given set of circumstances, to choose one's own way. Our Change for the Future organization for March through May is the Transgender Resource Center of New Mexico, which provides advocacy, education, and direct services in support of transgender, gender non-conforming, non-binary, and gender variant people and their families. You can make an offering online by clicking on the link that we'll put in the chat box. What is given in generosity is received in gratitude. Thank you on behalf of First Unitarian Church of Albuquerque and our Change for the Future recipient, Transgender Resource Center of New Mexico. As we are coming to the end of the service, if you would like to stay and chat with a few of your fellow sibling congregants, and we would always love it if you would, please stay on after this meeting, um, after the end credits, and we will place you in one of our breakout rooms to get the conversation started, here is a discussion question for you to consider. What are some of the ways that we can find it in ourselves and in our community to bless the world today? What are some of the ways that we can find it in ourselves and in our community to bless the world today? Before we extinguish our chalice, I invite you to navigate your screens to gallery view. 
look at all of the wonderful smiling faces looking back at you. Let us do our Pachim greeting. Place one hand on your heart, extend one hand out to the congregation, make eye contact with everyone that you see, and treasure this wonderful community that we have created together. Let's extinguish our chalices and let us remember to bless the world and let the world bless us. Go in peace and practice radical love. <laughs>